Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. As always, I'm Ben Jackson and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm also joined, as always, by Scott and Joris. Joris, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, missing the Belgian football, of course, but I'm ready for the new weekend and uh, excited for a new episode about this, the special about Antwerp. Uh, excited to hear a bit more about that. Absolutely, yeah. Only a few day, a few hours left until the next match day and we can get over the Nations League. And uh, Scott, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Hi, everyone. Um, I kind of, I've, I've been doing a lot of research this week as well for this episode, and um, it's given me a great chance to kind of crack out some uh, old photographs of last time I was in Antwerp a couple of years ago. So, yeah, happy days. Lovely stuff. And as the guys have said, this is a Antwerp special, and we thought instead of just the three of us pretending to know a lot about Antwerp, we'd get someone who actually knows a lot about Antwerp. Uh, delighted to be joined by Bob. Bob, how you doing? Hey guys, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you. Happy days. Bob, do you just want to introduce yourself to the listeners so that they do understand that you are an Antwerp expert and we're not just making it up? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm an expert though, but um, I'm Bob, I'm 41, I live in Antwerp uh, and I've been uh, an Antwerp supporter since December 19th, 1987, that was my first game I ever saw in Antwerp 1-7-2 against Racing Etwaver, a a small club from Brussels, and I've been loving Antwerp ever since. So it's been, what, 32 years, 33 almost? Yeah, almost 33 years to the day. I'd say that makes you an expert, and I think any team you, the, <laughs> yeah. if you're, if the first time you see a team they win seven two, I feel like that's just a good charm. Like that's just a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, it's I still on. Yeah, I, I watch it from time to time. It's still on YouTube. So, yeah, you can reminisce like Scott with his pictures. It's another way of reminiscing. <laughs> Great. So we'll dive into Antwerp a little bit later. We'll just kind of go through some news from the league. I guess not much has really been happening. Obviously, it was Nations League fixtures, Belgium pretty comfortable in their two games, 2-0 against Denmark, and then hammered Iceland, showed England how to do it, 5-1. And Doku got a debut goal, so that's kind of like a nice little shout-out for the league. Um, Joris and Scott, any headlines for you coming out of the league that you think the listeners should know about? Um, I think, um, well, just kind of general news, and not kind of league-specific. I thought... um, I saw Roberto Martinez kind of earlier in the week talking about the impression that um, Jeremy Doku had made on the squad. Um, there was obviously a real excitement about getting him some game time and um, he got it, um, got his goal. Um, I, that was the kind of thing I took away from it. But then I, I'm, I'm a bit biased. I'm a big Doku fan. Um, so that, that that was my big take from, from the last few days. Yeah, no, it was great to see him scoring. That's for sure. Like, especially for us covering the league, it's nice to see amongst all those big-name Belgian players that a couple of guys from the league can get involved. Um, yeah, Joris, yeah, is there anything that you wanted to bring up league-wise, like headlines or any news? Um, there was, of course, not that much news. Uh, more news about the stadium and about uh, the supporters getting back in slowly again this weekend, finally. The... Uh, Stadiums will be filled um, a little, not completely, but uh, little by little. And we've got some news about some teams, as in Spur team can join uh, in, the, in the stands again. 
but with a lot of regulations, it's not going to be the same anyway, but we'll see how it goes. It's the first start. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a start. It'd be nice to have some fans just there, I guess. Whether they'll be able to make much noise or atmosphere, it doesn't look likely, but at least there'll be some colour and a little bit of fan attention. Uh, speaking of fans, speaking of Belgian football clubs, this is an Antwerp special. We decided that without any games over this weekend, we'd deep dive into one of the bigger clubs in Belgian football. And yeah, we're really excited to go through this. I hope you, the listeners will learn quite a bit about Antwerp. I know I certainly will learn a lot about Antwerp in this section. And yeah, any feedback you have on this, any clubs you want us to do a feature like this on in the future, please just do drop us a line, let us know. We'll be happy to take any recommendations. Um, let's just dive straight in then, shall we, guys? Let's dive into the history of Antwerp. I don't know, um, Bob, if you want to kick us off with a, just an overview of the history of your club, like who started it, all that sort of stuff, like just a, a base overview, yeah. Um, well, we are the oldest club in Belgium. Uh, I think we're also one of the oldest clubs in Europe, maybe in the world. Uh, we, we were founded in 1880 by English students who were, um, I think, studying at the university at the time, or, or were living in Belgium at the time. And we were started as a cricket club and then later a tennis club. And then I think a few years later, they turn it to a, a football club. And um, if I'm not mistaken, we played our first official games around 10 years later in, in 18, nine years. So, so yeah, we're pretty proud to be uh, the oldest uh, team in Belgium. Does that, that yeah, as, as the oldest team in Belgium, like do the fans kind of, big that up against other teams like oh yeah is it like a bragging rights sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. number one yeah the great our, our 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 name unofficial name is the great old so um yeah we're we're really proud in, in being number one and 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 uh, uh making fun of other teams because of their uh um <laughs> uh, how do you say number or yeah yeah we're proud you mentioned them um... You mentioned kind of number one there, and of course it's kind of Antwerp are, are, are famous, aren't they, for for holding matricle number one. Um, and just just in case anyone isn't aware of what that is, the the Belgian FA have got a kind of system that they operate a series of matriculation numbers which are linked to when clubs joined the FA, and, and Antwerp being the oldest club, um, joined first in in, in nineteen twenty six. Um, and if you look. If you look at the club's crest, actually, and I really like this, but if you look at it closely, you'll see that that old leather football in the centre, um, yeah. and then the crown above it, which obviously relates to the the Royal Antwerp title. And any club that are, I think, it's fifty years or older are allowed to use that royal prefix, aren't they? Um, and then beneath that, there is that black number one, uh, which is a reference to that that famous piece of your heritage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's. I couldn't have said any better. So thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to add, like, this number one thing is also the the main reason why we chose to kick off our series of uh, specials with Antwerp. Um, yeah, if we don't get any suggestions, I guess we will go by metrical number from here on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is, you have, you have been warned. If you want to hear about a club that's further down the pecking order, you need to get that shout in now, because otherwise we're just going straight to number two. Um, that's great. No, it's so interesting to, as as the oldest club. But I think we should also talk about your stadium as well, 
was it 1923 it was built and it's still yeah. being used today well at least one stand of the of this of the stadium is still there the original stand three other stands are being uh, being replaced but yeah the stadium the Bosuil as they call it in dutch was built in 1923 and uh, for that time, it was a really, really big stadium. It 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 held it, hold, um, it held up um, sixty thousand people, I think. Uh, a lot of big games were played there. Uh, international games, Holland, Belgium was a typical game to play there. Uh, and because of safety regulations, uh, later only forty thousand people were allowed. And since. I don't know, 20, 25 years, only 17,000 people uh, are allowed, but they're uh, renewing the stadium as we speak. Uh, one stand is already there. Second one is nearly finished and two other stands will be um, uh, rebuilt uh, the, the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I think we'll definitely get on to talking about um, the stadium renovations because it is an exciting time for Antwerp and Antwerp fans, especially yeah. around these like developments and stuff. But Let's, yeah, diving back into the history aspect of it, who would you say is kind of Antwerp's best, like historically best manager who gave them mm. their like the greatest period of Antwerp football in the past? Um, well, there are a few. I would say George Kessler in the 80s. Um, he was a German Dutchman or a Dutch German. I'm, I'm not really sure. I think it was German, but he he lived his, all his life in in, in Holland. Uh, he was a, a a good manager for the team. He made a team in the 80s. We've we've always been kind of a top club, but not not for not like uh, Bruges or Anderlecht. Uh, we were always right underneath those clubs. But he managed to make Antwerp a top club and and. Late 80s, early 90s, when when I um, became a supporter, we we were really close to becoming a top team, and I think he was one of the uh, the, the managers who who made Antwerp who, who made Antwerp took that that next step. Yeah, and one of those next steps I think we should definitely touch on was the 1993 Cup Winners' Cup final against Parma, which they unfortunately yeah. lost. But yeah, if you want to talk about yeah, more. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, as I said, early uh, 90s, late 80s, th they were playing a lot of, uh, they were playing in, in um, uh, um, Europe. So they played the, um, a lot of European uh, matches. And then in 92, they won the cup final in Belgium. And um, uh, next season, they, they, uh, their appearance in Europe was uh, was pretty good, and uh, they, uh, if I'm not mistaken, first was Glenavon from Northern Ireland, then came, I think, uh, uh, Admira Wacker from Austria, then Steaua Bucharest, they uh, they got through, then the semi-finals, they won against Spartak Moscow, and then the final, yeah, we lost to Parma one to three, but yeah, first reasonably small club from Belgium. It was it was something special. It was it was really really great, and we played the legendary Wembley Stadium. Um, I wasn't there. I was still uh, a bit too young. I was only thirteen or fourteen years old at the time. So, but I've seen it on television, and yeah, those are great great memories. And 
right at that time we were on the brink of becoming a top team in Belgium, but then, um, well, um, the, the, uh, the general manager or I know CEO of the club, he just mis mismanaged it. And, and, uh, he let, he let some of the key players go instead of building an even stronger team around them. And he also let the coach go, which was, uh, Walter Meus, um, at, back then still a fairly, fairly young trainer, but a lot of, um, uh, experience as a, as a player, um, in the Belgian team as well. And he let him go. And from then on, from 94 uh, till the late nineties, we, we totally lost that momentum. And mm. in the late nineties, we, uh, we relocated to, to second division. And then uh, all misery began for, uh, <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. So I guess if people are only just getting back into Belgian football, say this season or last season, they'll look at Antwerp, they'll see, oh, they finished in the top top three, four last season. Must be quite a strong club. Wouldn't realise that actually you've only just come back in 2017. Do you want to talk about yeah. that? What that, what changed to bring you guys back into the top league? Um, well, money. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we were having a lot of financial uh, problems in the early 90s. Uh, early nearlys and late 90s and the club was on well we we got uh, we just escaped bankruptcy a few a couple of times actually and uh, in 2015 I think um, a Belgian entrepreneur Borges took over the club and he injected a lot of money into the club and yeah hate to say it but that's most of the time what it takes you know just mm. uh, it takes a lot of money to build a good club and to buy great players. And that's what they did. They bought good players for, for second division in Belgium. And the first year we, um, the first year he was, he was um, CEO of the club. He, uh, we just missed a promotion. And then the year after that uh, was a crazy year. We actually made a movie about it in Belgium. Um, I was one of the directors and we made a movie about it because <laughs> it was such a, a strange season with, with highs and lows and ups and downs. But in the end, we, we managed to win the championship. And after 13 long, uh, dreadful years in the second <laughs> division, we, we were uh, back in, in um, well, back where we belong, we always say. Yeah, we were uh, back in first, in first division. And it was clear from the start that the new owners, they were really, really wanted to, to – um, make a, a top team from from Antwerp and um, we got some quality players and first season back in in first division I think we ended up uh, eighth at the end of the season then fifth or sixth and last year we were I think third or fourth I can't really remember but so far it's going uphill and and as, as I said before in 93 we're at the that that was we we lost the momentum we were on the brink of becoming a top team again and this is also that moment i think last season we also won for this season because of corona we did we played the game this season but last season we won the cup final and so we're we're really really close on becoming one of the three four five top teams in belgium and yeah it's it's exciting times for us right now yeah, you mentioned no, uh, oh, sorry, Scott, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, you, you mentioned um, kind of making a film about some of those exciting times. And of course, you, you contribute to an Antwerp-focused podcast, um, which for our listeners who don't know is called the Vierkent Pal, um, which in English is, is, is the Square Pole. Um, I just wonder, is, is there a story behind the, the, the name of the pod at all, Bob? Yeah, Vierkante um, Paal, Square Paul, um, is a reference to the actual um, square poles that uh, we had as, as, as goals uh, up in, uh, well, I think they were still there in the early 90s when 99% of other modern football teams had replaced their old wooden square pole goals into modern <laughs> Uh, round rules, but we were just, I don't know, maybe we ha didn't have the money, we were too stubborn, I don't know, but for some reason we, we kept those square poles for a really, really long time and I just, I just looked it up uh, uh, yesterday and there is an urban legend that said that a, a supporter um, got into uh, the stadium at night with his car he was, um, he was uh, driving drunk and he got into the stadium and he actually drove his car into the goal uh, and that made it, uh, you know, it, 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 um, that made it to breaking in half or breaking two. The poles ended up on his car and that's, that's when they decided, well, maybe it's time for, for us to replace the, the goals. <laughs> I don't know if that is true. That's, that's a story I've read, but... Um, <laughs> It, it it could easily be true, yeah. So that's where the name uh, originated from. Amazing. I hope that story is true because that just sounds incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of the fans, um, I feel like we should definitely touch on that because as when we had a chat the other day, just speaking to Bob about different things, and I was really amazed and kind of feeling a bit of. I just find it quite funny that you sing your songs in English. Like yeah. the fans sing in English. Like, what is that all about? I think because we were founded by by English students, and I think there's always been a, a, a great connection between Antwerp and the English um, style or English um, way of, of of seeing football, feeling football, enjoying football. We the way we support is 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 really raw and intense, just like it is in in Premier League uh, games or, or Championship. Or um, um, we we always well not the last couple of years, but like ten years ten years ago, we uh, as a fans we always played friendlies in the in the UK uh, in in summer break. So we went to Birmingham. Bristol, Luton Town, Hull, Hull City, and yeah, there's something about Antwerp and 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 the atmosphere um, that really is English-like. I think we're the only club in Belgium who has this kind of atmosphere. There are lots of other teams who have really strong support, like Bruges, like Standard Liège, Standard Luc, uh, but they're more like. Hmm, more like Italian or Spanish, I don't know, more Southern. And we mm -hmm. really have that raw emotion, that intense um, support that you find in British stadia, stadiums. 
yeah, I think especially if you're an English fan watching when eventually, hopefully, things get back to normal, it would definitely be worth a trip over there because you can oh, stand there and yeah. you can sing all the songs and you'll be completely fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No one will know you're yeah, not. I, I watched the uh, the documentary about Sunderland on Netflix mm. and some of the mm-hmm. songs, well, we use other words, but some of the songs are just identical. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope you don't follow in a similar Sunderland no, 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 style no. of. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. That is a great. That is one of my favorite documentaries, though. Sunderland to like that is. Yeah, I yeah. feel for those fans, but. Let's They've hope. been there already. They're climbing up again now. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of fans and atmosphere, uh, let's talk about rivalries. So most people will associate Antwerp with having a rivalry with beer shops, just in terms of like location and stuff like that. But you told us the other day that that's not as big a rival as another club in Belgium. Do you want to elaborate more on that? Mm, well, Beerschot is uh, a rival, obviously. Um, we're still the biggest club. There's no doubt about that in Antwerp. But um, I think the rivalry with Club Rouge, Club Brugge, is even bigger. Um, they, they always re- um, call it the hate, hate game. Um, it's so, so intense back in the eighties when, uh, there were a, a lot more riots and hooliganism. Um, uh, those games were so intense. There were always fights and, um, and apparently, um, that rivalry started in the, I think early 1900s when, uh, Antwerp played a game in Bruges and the, bus or train, I'm not even sure, with the Antwerp players was attacked uh, by Bruges supporters. And there, there's where it all started. And 120 years later, we're, uh, well, we're, we're still no friends, uh, to, say, uh, to say the least. No, it's, it's, it's intense, those games. Yeah, so, I, I think the the, the, the game, uh, this hate originated in 1907 or 1908, indeed. And uh, apparently one of the rumor has it, at least in, well, who are we to, uh, well, concur that, that, um, that the, one of the players, of Antwerp players actually was uh, unconscious. Um, well, uh, they were throwing stones and all. Uh, and then the, the, the other Antwerp players have to be, brought to safety uh, in a car of the Bruges uh, president at the time. Um, they were taking away to, well, probably the station or, I don't know, to, to safety at least. Um, yeah, just a little addition to the story. <laughs> That's crazy. So when you won the cup final against Bruges, against was, that Bruges. Kind of like, yeah, was that just like a beautiful moment? Um, yeah, of course. You always, always want to. If if you want to win two games in the season or four games in the season, it's it's the games against Beerschot and, and the games against Bruges. And the, the the thing that made the victory even sweeter was the fact that Bruges was where they were last season's champions, and they really have a strong team. Uh, almost none of the important players left the team, so they were really they have a really strong squad. And Antwerp lost some of the key players, and um, we we really weren't uh, we really didn't have a strong team at the beginning of the season. So we were the underdog, and nobody nobody thought we could win that game. And well, 
uh, first 45 minutes, first half, we were really, really strong and we scored the, 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 the one nil and uh, we kept it uh, until the end and it was nerve wracking. I, I think the last 10 minutes I only saw three seconds because I was hiding behind my, <laughs> behind my eyes. And I, was, I was walking back and forth in the living room. My girlfriend was looking at the, like me like, what the hell are you doing? Just watch the game. And I was so nervous. And then, yeah, yeah, that, that was a good moment because then I realized this is something, this is, you know, something really important for the team to make that, to close the final gap to, to, the, to the top teams in Belgium. And, you know, we're, we're playing uh, in Europe. And uh, um, so uh, we go to the to Europe League and UEFA League. And it's a big step. So that was, yeah, that's a good moment. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, it was an interesting game to watch. I enjoyed it. I know I was quite high on Antwerp after watching that game for sure. Uh, we're just going to take a quick break now. And uh, on the other side, we're going to look at the current Antwerp squad, look at what's happening with ownership and the infrastructure that's being put in place there. And then we've got a really, really nice and in-depth listener question that we're just going to break down. And yeah, then we'll have a look ahead to the fixtures that are coming up. Welcome back to our Antwerp special episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the first part. Uh, it's great to have Bob with us, just giving us so much information about Antwerp historically and about the fans. But now we're going to move on to a bit more about the current squad, the current season, the current situation, I guess. And our very own Scott has been doing a little bit of digging around the owner of Antwerp. Scott, I don't know if you just want to jump in and give us, give the listeners a bit more information about him. I have. I have indeed been doing some digging. Um, for those of you who don't know, kind of Antwerp at the moment are owned by um, Paul Gasons. Paul Gasons is chairman and owner, but he's also interestingly the CEO of, of Gemelco, who a lot of people will know um, as, as you know, one of the largest building and real estate companies in, in, in Europe. Um, so they're obviously kind of driving the, the redevelopment of the Bossel Stadium, which is ongoing just now. And if you go on Antwerp's official Twitter account recently, within the last week, I think, they've been posting um, some really nice time-lapse footage of, of that developing. Uh, and that's coming along really, really nicely, I think. Um, Gemelco, actually, uh, Paul's company, interestingly, were responsible for designing and building the whole of the Gemelco Arena, uh, which, as you all know, is Ghent's stadium. Um, and he's also ploughed a lot of money into the to the club uh, recently, um, as Bob was saying earlier, I think about 11, 12 million, um, which has helped to seriously drive down the club's debt, which is a great thing, obviously. And having won the cup and being um, in European football again, I think that that increases the, the club's revenue potential. So the, the infrastructure around the club, certainly off the pitch, um, is is getting stronger, I think, um, and as Bob was saying, definitely going in the right direction. Correct me if I'm wrong. You'll probably know more, Bob. But did the Gasons not purchase some land around the stadium recently as well to improve the kind of fan and visitor approach to the ground as well? Did that? Yeah, it just last week he bought a, a castle really nearby the stadium. To um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think he's going to live there, but he's going to make it into some 
workspace or uh yeah so he's uh i think he's he's staying um for for a bit longer where uh which is a good thing of course um yeah yeah that yeah. sounds that sounds great actually <laughs> yeah we're really we're really pleased with uh with the new stadium he's building and yeah with quality players he's um He's, uh, he's, he's, he's buying for the club. So, um, yeah, we're really happy. Like five years ago, we were in the, in the, in, in second division and, and things didn't look, uh, good at all. And, uh, if it wasn't for him, Antwerp would be, would be gone. We, we would have gone bankrupt and the team would just be, uh, would just have disappeared and, Look at us now. We're we're uh, top five in Belgium again, and and um, and the the future is looking promising. Uh, so yeah, couldn't be happier. Talking about that, um, indeed, like is he indeed gonna stay longer? You think so? Uh, in the end, because I think it's been a bit. Yeah, it's always a bit dubious with real estate owners once the, and then building. Um, maybe once their investments are paid off, um, they, they might leave. Is, a, is it a concern or not? For the moment, it's not a concern yet because the way he speaks about the future of the team and what he wants to achieve, he really wants to win another title in, um, in first division. Our last title was in, I think, 1955. So go figure. Um, uh, there, there are not a lot of supporters in the uh, in the stadium right now who who've seen uh, uh, that season. So um, I think for the moment he's going to be there for at least a couple of more seasons. We nothing, nothing is, is sure, of course, and and future, uh, you never know what it's going to bring. But for now, I think we're set, and I hope we're set. Yeah, yeah. sounds sounds good. I did I did see him. I saw just after the cup final win, uh, a few weeks ago. I did see him kind of talking about um, just the impact of winning winning the croquet on on, on the club, um, and he did actually he did reference winning the title um, was was kind of a, a name, uh, but perhaps wisely wasn't prepared to put a time frame on it when pressed. How do you feel about how close, you know, the club are to, to mounting a serious challenge for the title again? Uh, we're not ready yet. Um, we, um, we have a quality team for the moment on paper. It's not, uh, it's not uh, shown on the pitch this season so far, but we have good quality players um, we got, I think, a good manager, uh, Ivan Leko. I think um, he's, yeah, he's a good, he's a good coach. Uh, but there still has to um, uh, come uh, some more quality on the pitch um, to become a real contender for the title. I think it's not going to be this year, and probably not next year. But you never know if, like I just said, five years ago, we were um, a poor team doing really poorly in second division and look at us now. So things can go really fast. But as it looks right now, at this moment, we're not ready to, uh, to be competitive for the title this year, this season. And about um, these ambitions still, and also the investments, are are you worried a bit also with the financial part? Because they now he did, I think the last three years has always been around 10 uh, million 
uh, that he pumped from his own uh, from uh, his own money into the club. But there's also now the finan financial fair play rules, and I think that you can now do maximum 30 million, so around the the amount that has already been put into the club. Now, um, will it affect these ambitions um, to put it on hold a little longer, or? Maybe, maybe. The thing, I think instead of um, injecting money into the club, I think we should do now is, is try to sell some key players for, uh, for a big amount of money. Uh, and that's, I think that's what they're trying to do. We got some two to three players who could go higher up, uh, speaking about maybe Bundesliga or Premier League. And if you can get some... Um, some good money for that and then instead of uh, what they're doing now they're buying just quality players but if they can invest in younger promising players and then let them play for Antwerp for a couple of years and then sell them again um, well the way Anderlecht is, 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 is used to, to do it and um, so I think that is the, that should be the main focus right now yeah, indeed. That was also one of these things around it. It's like the the key players now are all in their 30s, don't, don't have that yeah. much additional value anymore, uh, selling well, value anymore. Yeah. They bring a lot of experience to the team. On the pitch, and, they probably are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in two to three years, players like Diomersin Bokani, Leo Refailov, uh, Faris Haroun, they're all well into their 30s. And uh, in, in two to three years, they're... Um, um, yeah, they're they're not going to be um, um, as as important for for the team. So um, yeah, it's it's time for some uh, some new, fresh, promising young talents uh, like for the likes like um, uh, Aurelia Buta, our um, mm -hmm. wing back, Portuguese player. Nobody knew who he was when he signed to the club, and well, um, he's a quality player. Um, Last season, Wolverhampton was uh, <laughs> there was there was speaking about uh, a transfer to Wolverhampton. Uh, maybe not a top team in England, but you know, for for us, you know, as Antwerp supporters, it's been a long time that a team from from England um, is interested in one of our players. Yeah, yeah. And anything being interested now is probably good for the money yeah. uh, side yeah. of things. And to be fair, if you yeah. want to get Wolves interested, you just got to buy a Portuguese player because they only buy that's Portuguese players. So. <laughs> so that's why I was laughing. Awesome yeah, when yeah. you said you said Portuguese wing back good, Wolves are like, yep, yeah, we'll have him. Oh, <laughs> love language. Right we also there. have Ivo Rodriguez, also a Portuguese player. So if yeah. you're listening, Wolves, these players are around. <laughs> yeah, free <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to invest. They, they both have. Know. They both have this Portuguese connection, actually, because uh, Luciano Donofrio, I think he's the yeah. guy behind the transfers as well yeah. um, in Antwerp. Also has a good connection with uh, Porto um, and yeah. other Portuguese teams, I think. Um, so maybe there's actually a link there. Already. Yeah, actually, yeah, because um, defender of ours, um, Pius, I think he comes from, he's not Portuguese, but he played in Portugal. Yeah, I think some of the players have a link with, are either Portuguese or did play in Portugal. So, yeah. The, yeah, Donofrio, yeah, I think yeah. Pierce was at Pacos Ferreira. I think that's where he joined from. And, yeah, so I just wanted to jump quickly before we move too far into the squad, back onto the ownership thing, just to point out that mm -hmm. 
we there was a tweet that was put out. I think it was the beginning of this week by um, CIES Sports Intelligence, who actually had a look at foreign ownership in Belgium and in Belgian football clubs. And they're saying how you've had this significant influx of foreign investment in recent years and nearly half of the clubs in the top two divisions are owned by foreign owners. So I was just thinking maybe when Gearson decides to leave, it may not be much of an issue if you're doing well because it seems that there is foreign interest in the Belgian league and you never know who might be interested in like investing yeah. into Antwerp at the other at the end of the day. If they're well, self-sustainable by them. That's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's the the big question. And speaking well, that, of I think the, yeah, I think the top teams in Belgium are, are still owned by Belgian um managers and Belgian uh mm. CEOs mm-hmm. like Bruges, like Anderlecht. I think is I think Genk is also as well, Antwerp is Charleroi, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's even an NGO, so that's even yeah. more <laughs> different. That is very different. We'll, we'll get into that when we do our Charleroi special at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, speaking of questions and stuff, we actually had a really, really good question from, I'm sure people who are Twitter users when it comes to Belgian football know this account. Uh, we got it from What a Load of Waffle. And it's quite a long, detailed question. I'll read out the whole thing and then we can just pick it apart between us and, yeah, just kind of dive into it. Uh, so what load of waffle asked, well, said, even though Antwerp haven't particularly played badly this season, has Leco got more work than I thought at the club? The cup win was obviously a fantastic achievement, but it's shown how much they rely on three 34-year-olds for leadership and goals in Umbakani, Rafaev and Haroun. And they could be in... And they could be in the league, retaining the cup and in Europe, where I, where I worry for Belgian clubs too this season. Gherkins and Boutez is a start, I guess, and there are younger players around them. But will they step up when the going gets tough? The slow start is kind of reminiscent of the awful start in Europe he had at Bruges um, versus Bashakir, the Turkish team, and IEK, but then it fell into place. Um, so yeah, a long question there. I guess we'll just start with the first one. I think you've kind of touched on it, Bob, so I don't know if Joris or Scott want to come in on this, but do you think Leko has got a little bit more work at Antwerp than maybe, I know myself included, thought he did at the beginning of the season. Uh, yeah, I think is the, the, the short answer. Um, and I, I think that's been a relatively recent kind of revelation for me, to be honest. I mean, a bit like you, Ben, I think, uh, seeing that performance in the cup final, um, I had high hopes that, you know, if Anderlecht could, uh, Antwerp, sorry, could hit the ground running at the start, which they haven't done so far, um, you know what I mean, and build some momentum, then, you know, something could be on. Um, I think I think there are some some issues there that need addressing that have been flagged up quite early. I mean, I don't know how, how Bob feels about this, but I think there's a general sense at the moment, and I went away and had a look at this, looked at some analysis and stats, and generally, generally they're underperforming. I mean, just taking some basic stats, I mean, that's three goals in the first four games, which is about 0.8 goals per game, which is, mm. you know, n- not great, really. Um, it's a very fine margin between, you know, a draw and a, draw and a win on that basis and, and, and even losing a game. So they need to convert more of the chances, I think, that they're creating as well. I mean, the stats show that they're one of the best sides at creating chances, but they're not taking enough of them as well. So... There's just a general sense of kind of needing to sharpen up at the top end, I think. Um, 
there's a low number of shots, interestingly, as well, actually. Um, they're one of the they've got one of the lowest shot ratios um, of, of all the sides as well. So I think, you know, the Antwerp play good football. I like I like watching them actually. The I've mentioned this before, there's plenty of pace and dynamism, and I do think they know where the goal is. Um, they just need to kind of sharpen that spearhead up a bit, I think, and um, that, that, that'll that get some momentum going. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I think also the, um, um, the evolution the team is going through, the last uh, manager, Laszlo Bologna, he really was a defensive coach and the um, uh, defense was first and then we, we tried to uh, uh, put up a, a quick uh, counterattack and then score from that. But now we have to be, become more of an offensive team and, and, um, and play from, from our strengths instead of from our defense. And that is something Lego, the current manager, is trying to do. But as I said, we still need two to three good quality players who can carry the team just over that that edge. Last two games against Ghent and Charleroi, uh, we won against Ghent and we lost to Charleroi two to nil. But they were still they played better, and you see some progress. So I have mm -hmm. good hopes for the for the for the, for the following weeks and. The next couple of games are 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 um, the 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 teams we play against are not that strong uh, or not the top teams. So, well, the the coming four, three to four weeks are going to be crucial, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, sorry, go for it, yours. Yeah, I, I I didn't think about it before actually before uh, what a lot of waffle mentioned it, but indeed he Leko actually had a slow start, so it seems like he needs some time to indeed get his system through the system and uh, to the to the players, and that um, yeah might be more, um, even more difficult indeed with this change of style, a complete change of defensive style again to the style Leko wants to play. So um, I would give him some time, and I think it would it will benefit uh, Antwerp in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's kind of interesting that we're seeing this kind of opposite to what's going on at Ghent happening at Antwerp. It's like they've just completely switched around, and they've got Bellini going in to Ghent and trying to get them to play how he wanted. He was playing with at Antwerp. So like those poor Ghent fans listening are hearing we played defensive football and just probably sighing <laughs> under their breaths like, oh, great, <laughs> like. This is what we can really expect this season. Um, we mentioned, we've mentioned the three, the kind of like the leaders in the side, Mbukani, Rafael, and Haroun. What young players do you think listeners should look out for, Bob? What players do you think are coming through or should be given more chances to come through the system that people should be thinking about? Um, well, as I said, the, the Portuguese wing, winger, uh, Buta. Um, it looks very promising um, on the uh, on the right hand side. We got um, um, is Norwegian, I think. Uh, Simon Jukleret. Uh, he had a really good season. It's his first season in Antwerp. Last season wasn't that good, but he's he's a good player. Um, well, he's not a young player anymore. But Richie Delat, he's one of our favorites. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's just, well, not not so much our favorite. He's a he's he's a legend, a playing legend. Um, 
Um, and um, and on the bench we have some of good um, offensive players like Benson, uh, Japanese player uh, Koshi Miyoshi. Um, I think they are uh, really would uh, would suit the Lakers style of playing really well. But so far they they haven't played a lot. But um, and I was always a fan of Ivo Rodriguez, but for some reason he's not on the uh, he's not on the feet, he's not on the pitch, he's not on the bench. Something has happened. But um, but um, yeah, we got some good players, but not like Anderlecht has as as I, mm-hmm. as we uh, we mentioned them in the beginning of the podcast has as Doku. You know, you know, in in a few years he will be in 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 a good year, top club in Europe because. He, he has a lot of potential. He has a lot of, of talent, and we don't have that kind of player. So that's something to um, to work for uh, to, uh, for the future. I was I was also surprised. Uh, sorry to jump in. Um, like Kirenon uh, yeah. was actually one of the youngsters, or maybe the only real youngster coming out. Of, is he coming out of the youth academy even? Yeah. Um, he went on loan now uh, to Moscow, yeah. and I think with a buy-in option, uh, and he looked promising yeah. last season. So it was a weird move, in my opinion. Yeah, it is a weird move, and the only thing that I hope it, it can be explained is that we were buying some really great quality player to 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 play on his position. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the only hope I have because. He's a young guy. He's he's he has he has potential. Played in Belgium uh, youth national teams. Um, so yeah, and now he's playing for for uh, Muskroon, which um, sorry Muskroon fans, but is not a, a nice team. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't I don't I don't get it. Nobody did actually. None of the supporters uh, had any. Uh, uh, respect for uh, f- of that uh, for that decision. Yeah, there must have been like a. I'm guessing Lille are definitely involved in that as a transfer, thinking of him as a future yeah. player. Because, like you said, that just the move doesn't make any sense otherwise. Like, why would you go no. to? <laughs> no offense to Miss Gordon, but they're hardly the most exciting team to watch this season <laughs> in terms of scoring goals. Anyone wanting to score goals there? Um, I guess. Yeah, I think. When I looked at your squad at the beginning of the season, I probably I was getting really excited about Frank Boyer. I was like, oh, Frank Boyer, this guy's going to play lots, and he hasn't featured yet at all. Another player I quite like in your team. I don't know what you think about him. I know he's kind of controversial. Is um, Didier Lamcalzi? <laughs> I know he he likes yeah. to get involved off the pitch in a few scuffles, and he's not afraid to. Speak yeah, his mind. What yeah. what do the fans think of him? Do they like him? Do they think he's just an annoyance? Like uh, both. Some of them, uh, some <laughs> of the supporters, really, really love him and the, and the, all the crazy things he does. He, they they love him for that. And then there there are people like me who are way more skeptical. <laughs> I I have to say he has so much potential. Mm-hmm. He's a really really talented player, and. I think he could be one of the players who we could sell in two to three years for a lot of money to to a decent team in England, in Spain or Italy. 
but you know, you know, you, you don't you don't only play football with your feet. There, mm. it also has to uh, has a good head on, on top of that feet. And so far, it's 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 not working out for him, which is too bad because he's a really really good player, but um, he's not playing to his full potential. I think. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's at the end of it, it's his choice, isn't it? Like, if he wants to knuckle down and get in, get on with it and get that move, he could. But, I don't know, there's only so much kind of patience you can have with players like mm-hmm. that until you say, yeah, your potential's great, but we can't get anything out of you. We're just going to have to move you on to, I don't know, then you end up playing in really random leagues for really random teams and your career's yeah, over yeah. and that's it. It's also counterproductive for the, for the team spirit. And mm. um, so... Even though with all his talent, I'm, I'm, I don't think we're uh, we're gonna see a uh, all all his potential, ever. Maybe, I'm not sure. I yeah. hope for him. I hope for him that he will um, he will uh, leave all those crazy stuff behind him and just focuses on 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 the on the game and on 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 his potential and his talent. But so far, he hasn't, and that's a real pity. Yeah, no, let's hope, yeah, that something comes out of that that player for sure. Uh, is there any, before we move on to kind of wrapping up, is there any position that you'd like the team to go and strengthen before the transfer window shots? Is there one place where you're like, yeah, we need to get a player in this position before the window's over? Uh, not just one position, several, <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, we re- you know we have a top striker with with UMFC and Bokani, even though he's 34 or 35 he's still he he's, he's he's really really good um but we we only have one striker so we yeah. need a striker mm. we need a um a, a creative midfielder we have Harun we have Verstraat we have Boya but they're like really aggressive like Pitbull style yeah. players. <laughs> yeah. no, they're, they're great for for um, um, uh, taking out certain players out of their game. And, but yeah. we need some 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 creative players in midfield. I'd like to see one or two wingers as well, mm. uh, atta- um, attack uh, attacking midfielders, and then. Maybe, but I'm not sure if we really needed um, a defender. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really still hoping for uh, Wesley Hood to return to Antwerp. Uh, I just loved him as a defender, as a leader in um, in our defense last last season. He's such a quality player, and um, so I hope he comes back. But. Bruges, Anderlecht, Gent, mm. Antwerp, they all won him. And he's, yeah, he's, he, he has a lot of potential. So the, 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 it costs a lot of money. And, and for the time being, I think he's too expensive to be, um, to be an art team. But you never know. I, I'm, I still got my hopes high up for him. Yeah, I was reading rumors today, actually, about, I think, some people were quoting about 7.5 million I saw was like a, a rumour going round. Mm-hmm. But I also know that for, uh, it's, it's rumours, so who knows, everyone seems to be interested in Emmanuel Dennis and Southampton are looking at maybe doing a swap deal there to kind yeah. of finance that deal. 
Although I'm not sure personally if Emmanuel Dennis is ready for the Premier League, in my opinion, after what I've seen. I don't think he's quite no. up to the way that he's level. playing. No, the way he's playing mm. at the at the moment, he's not ready at all, I think. Yeah. So it, it, I think for him that's definitely a move too soon. <laughs> I think in the first game against um Charleroi, he just didn't really do much, I think. Was it Kayembe? Was he playing left back for? Kayembe, yeah, 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 he started really well this season, but he kind yeah, of had yeah, him yeah. in his back pocket all game. I was like, "Yeah, this is yeah. nice." Kayembe is a good player. Yeah, for sure. Um, has a good has a good first name as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who doesn't know Kayembe's first name. <laughs> <laughs> he was named after Yoris on our podcast. I have heard rumors. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like one years old, but still. Yeah. <laughs> he knew what you'd come. They knew what you'd become. <laughs> exactly. Great, uh, Scott Yoris. Do you have anything else you want to jump in on Antwerp before we look ahead to the uh, fixtures that are coming up? Um, no, I don't think so. I think um, I think it's just worth reiterating. I think how how bright the future is for the club. I know we've touched on that a lot mm. uh, in our discussions, but I, I think it's one thing definitely worthwhile listeners taking away from that. No matter what your team is, um, it's definitely a club going in the right direction off the park and on the park. The developments that they need to happen, I think there are indications that they that they're going to happen. Um, it's just, I suppose, about you know being being patient. Um, but it's it, it's a club to watch, um, and um, I, I look forward to getting back to Antwerp at some point soon for another visit. I'd love to show you guys around and then uh, take you to one of the the home games. That'd be uh, that'd be awesome to have you guys there. I'm so we'll, we'll take you up on that. Yeah, up. I'm a hundred percent out. Yeah, I'll treat this... you for a beer then, for sure. You know what doing. Absolutely. Or, yeah, or, or yeah, something else, it. something else, yes, <laughs> Some other <laughs> consumption. Yeah, any other drinks are available, absolutely. Um, right, let's have a quick look at the fixtures that are coming up. We're not going to do our usual dive in as we thought we'd just dedicate most of this chat to Antwerp. Uh, so we've got Eupen against Ghent, Mechelen against Oostend, Leuven against Standard, um, Zolta against Charleroi. Oh, I can never say their name. Kotwijk against Muscron. Uh, yes. I got better. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> slowly. Club Brugge against Vaslund. Anderlecht against Circler. St. Luden up against the team we've just spoken about, Antwerp. And Beershot against Genk. I am going to be doing an analysis, like deep dive into St. Luden against Antwerp, which I'll hopefully put up on. Tuesday, I think it might go out. But yeah, that's the game I'm definitely going to be focusing in on after our chat. Um, Scott, any games you're looking forward to this weekend? Uh, I'm quite excited about uh, Zolta and Charleroi, actually. I think that that's, that's promising a lot at the moment. That's teasing me a bit. Um, Monday night's game, uh, beer shot against Genk, uh, um, is, is definitely another one. But as ever, I'll be gorging myself as much as possible um, and trying to take in as many of the weekend's games as I can. Absolutely. Uh, Joris, any games that catch your eye as well? Well, of course, uh, Vase and Kink again. But, mm -hmm. um, also, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'd like to see how it goes with uh, Ghent and Antwerp, actually, in the, the next, uh, next times. 
if all the teams that missed their starts basically uh, will be mm-hmm. interesting to watch now who can pick up and who will be left behind in the end yeah it's yeah it's kind of like a nice little reset period for teams after the break uh, also but- with the new trainers actually yeah like, yeah are there improvements there already uh, to be seen or not yeah absolutely and Bob, I won't ask you about what game you're looking forward to, but I will ask you, <laughs> since Sweden against Antwerp, what, what do you think the score is going to be? What's your prediction? Uh, in an other podcast, in the Vic and the Pal, actually, I said uh, zero to three for Antwerp. So, um, yeah, nil, nil to three. I'm, uh, I'm usually not that optimistic, but we need those three points. Yeah. So, um, and the but, goals. The goals need to start. And the goals, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so who knows? Nil the three. <laughs> right, we'll see. If you made this like the first actual like prediction in terms of numbers, I think, on this podcast. So you may be the first one to get one right. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Anyway, thanks so much so much for joining us, Bob. It was great to have your Antwerp expertise. I'm sure the listeners would agree it was great listening to you. Um an Antwerp fan just bring so much information about our about your club. And hopefully we'll get you back on again at some point. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I'd, be, I'd be glad to. Thank you for having me. It was, it was fun. Great. Thanks. And thanks as always to Scott and Yoris. It was great to hear from you guys again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure. I also want to uh, uh, just give a shout. Like If you're an Antwerp fan or a Dutch speaker who wants to know more about Antwerp, uh, please also listen to the, the Vierkante Paal as well. Uh, we can give them some advertisement here. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've had a great chat tonight. Um, thanks for coming on, Bob. It's, it's been great and um, look forward to um, talking to everyone again soon. And we'll see each other this season in, in, the, in the stadium or next season. You'll be, you guys are invited and uh, let's go to, to see a game. <laughs> absolutely. I am 100% holding you to that. I'd absolutely <laughs> love to come. And I'm sure other listeners will be interested in coming. So <laughs> for anyone's interested, we'll all go together. It'll be a great time. <laughs> You don't, have to, you don't have to look after them just us but yeah <laughs> great thanks as always guys and thanks to everyone that listens um it's just we've gotten some great feedback on these podcasts please continue to send us any questions you have any critiques any issues you want us to cover we'd happily cover we are open to suggestions and yeah speak to you next time on the belgian football podcast